Good morning. It's Christmas Sunday. Merry Christmas. Today we are celebrating the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. That seems like a fantastic claim, the hope of the world. But to to us, we who know this hope, we know how real that hope is. And I admit it's a fantastic claim to some who do not know Jesus Christ, but this claim is not mine, it's God's claim. And that makes all the difference. Since it's Christmas, I want to focus on this great hope this morning, on this Christmas Sunday. And it's featured in the birth of the Messiah. God reveals his great hope, this great hope, through the prophets. God announces this great hope at the birth of Jesus through angelic messengers, these great birth announcements. And God confirms this great hope at the dedication of Jesus in the temple. And I want us to look at the ark of hope that is ours in Christ. We need hope. We need lasting hope. Even December and Christmas time can bring despair. A time so dear to so many, a time of such high hopes, not least in our childhood imagination, yet it can be a season of sadness especially to those without Christ. In fact, our word despair is from a Latin word which is comprised of the words without hope. Without hope. In Latin is our English word despair. It's interesting, this, uh, just a couple of days ago, I pop in and out of Twitter. Some of you know what that is, one of the social media platforms. And a mother tweeted that her seven-year-old daughter was singing Deck the Halls. And her seven-year-old daughter was singing Don we now our daily peril. (laughs) Don we now our daily peril. And she thought that was very apropos of the last couple of years. And some of us, in light of the last couple of years, I mean, as almost a global experience, Our hopes may not be as high as we look into the future. We may share burdens that we wouldn't share otherwise. 
There may be more question marks as we look at tomorrow and next year. Some, not me, but some who imagine retirement have question marks they didn't have maybe in 2019. Some who have hopes about schooling and graduation, maybe getting married or having a family, maybe there are more question marks than there were in 2019. Everything in some ways perhaps looks a little different and not quite as hopeful. That's why we need to focus and that's why today as we focus on this Christmas Sunday on Jesus Christ and I claim because it is the claim of God that Jesus is the hope of the world. I want to Kindle that hope in you as we look into this coming year. We are to be the people of hope. We ought to be on fire for Jesus Christ because he is the hope of the world. Even if we change the lyrics to now we don our daily peril, we have a different hope. A Christmas hope. That innocent substitute, our daily peril, as I said, it seems so apropos. But this child, the Messiah, is the hope of the world. And this hope has a name. His name is Jesus. When I plan to speak on the series um, I have to confess that, and some of you don't know who I am if you're, you know, popping in to watch this online, but I had neck surgery, and I thought this was going to be kind of like you go in, um, you put a Band-Aid on your throat, and then you pick up where you left off. And so I had this series planned out, what child is this? And this series which was going to focus on Jesus four weeks, four Sundays. I thought I was going to be here, but this is the first Sunday of the series for me. So I'm giving it to you all right here, right now, today. You're getting all of it. <laughs> and I am happy to be here. Without this contraption that has uh, imprisoned me, well, at least my neck, my neck cries out, freedom, liberty. But this was inspired, this series was inspired by an event in 2011, July 11th, 2011. Why do I remember that so clearly? Because it's my son-in-law's birthday, the middle of summer. And of course, both sides of the family, his side, my daughter's side, that's me and my wife, all of us there for a big picnic. Makes sense, right? Celebrating his birthday. And we are meeting people on both sides of the family, getting better acquainted. Everybody's kind of sitting around tables and chatting. Dinner's over. Things are kind of settling down. 
And out comes my daughter in a brightly colored t-shirt with her two children, Jacob the first, Olivia the second, and they're wearing t-shirts with numerals. You know, Jacob's got a one, a big one, and Olivia has a big two, and Susanna has a three, because it's a big reveal. She's going to have a baby. And I'd never seen anything like that before. Now it's more customary. Sometimes they're so big, so elaborate, things catch on fire and go crazy, you know. But this was just T-shirts. But it, it did something in my heart, you know, to, to be this part of this big reveal and to anticipate this child's birth. Would it be a boy, a girl? What would the future hold? And then the birth announcements. She's at the hospital. We all start gathering for the birth. And then, of course, the dedication, the child dedication. I mean, the scope of it, we were kind of all brought into this because of the big reveal. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The, the big reveal, the, pro, the prophets are a part of the big reveal. And then the birth announcements. The angelic messengers. God entrusts this powerful, important message to those angelic messengers. Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, who are sent out over the course of the scriptures in various ways, but now they're all amassed for this great announcement, which is captured in our Gospels. And then the dedication. Eight days old, they take the baby to the temple to devote and dedicate not only their lives, but their child's life to the Lord. And there are things that happen at each of these points, and that's what I want us to take a quick look at. It's going to be really traditional, but I hope that it will ground us and maybe even set us a little on fire when we think about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ as we face some of the perils that we daily don. This child is the hope of the world. Let's look at the big reveal. I'm going to be looking at Isaiah. But I want us to see that Isaiah is not alone. He has a contemporary prophet, and there are even others, but we're well aware of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. But Micah is a contemporary of Isaiah. And the, this big reveal takes place at what is arguably the the darkest hour in the nation's history. There are perils multiplied facing God's people. And the prophets, Isaiah in particular, addresses the king of Israel. He asks him to trust in God. 
He is tempted. He's on the verge of entering, entering into alliances with foreign powers because there's a civil war between the king of the south and his kingdom, uh, pardon me, kingdom of the north and his kingdom of the south. Perilous times. Times that would destroy the nation. Isaiah goes to the king as he's inspecting his water supply. Well, you inspect your water supply when you're preparing for a siege, when you're preparing for battle, because without water, you can't even survive. And Isaiah says, trust God. Put your faith in God. Stand on God, and you will stand. And he says, ask the Lord for a sign. God wants to give you a sign, Ahaz, so that you'll have that confidence. You'll have that hope to trust in him and not in all of these human contrivances and false hopes, high as those hopes may be. Don't put your trust in them. They're false. Ask the Lord for a sign. And Ahaz says, you know, holier than that. I'm not going to tempt the Lord. And Isaiah turns on him and says, then the Lord himself is going to give you a sign. A child will be born to a virgin and his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. We're familiar with chapter 7, verse 14. We hear a lot at Christmas about chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, but sometimes we miss what leads up to that famous line beginning in verse 6. And that preface is so important because God makes clear that this child is not just for his people, not just for his own doubting people. It is for all people. And he even identifies these dark times. In the midst of this great darkness, there will be an even greater light, says the prophet. For to us, he says in verse 6, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The increase of his government and peace will be without end. On the throne of David, over his kingdom, to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That is an astounding big reveal. No prophet dabbles in a revelation like that. Seriously. Mighty God. 
When did God put in the mouth of his prophets that a mighty God would come? Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the increase of his government will be without end. These divine names, titles, do not in any way describe an ordinary king. Both prophets, their followers, these prophets had followers. And there was a faithful remnant. God identifies this remnant. A remnant is like a shred. It's a scrap. And God recognizes that among his people, all those people who say, oh yeah, I belong to Israel, I belong to God, I invoke the name of God. God himself says, there's only a shred, a remnant, who really trust and believe in me. And to them, Isaiah speaks, to them, Micah speaks, and they take heart in the hope of Isaiah and Micah and the word of God and the big reveal. A hope that is not realized in their own time. And yet they're sustained by it. They're lifted by it. They're unified by it. In fact, in chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, Isaiah says to his own people, to the remnant, bind up the testimony. Seal the teaching. And then notice what he says. We will wait for the Lord. Now, you've maybe heard me say this before, but in Hebrew, the word wait and the word hope are the same word. Wait doesn't mean just endure. It means wait expectantly. It, it's a synonym of hope when you read wait in the Old Testament. Wait. We will wait for the Lord. And then right after that, he says, the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob because they don't believe in him. And then he adds this, we will hope in him. Even though he hide his face, we will hope in him. His word is as the reality. It's as good as gold. Those are the people of God. The God of the big reveal is the God in whom we hope. It is the God of the big reveal upon whom we wait and hope. Well, 700 years later, and a little change, because these prophecies were uttered 
730 B.C. And then the birth announcements. These announcements of Jesus' birth are brought at the height of the Roman Empire, which was just born. I mean, it was a colony in Italy vying for survival unknown to the world in the 700s. But now, Caesar Augustus is on his throne. The pox, the peace of Rome is a reality. They've conquered the world. They've established their presence. All the countries of the world bow to Caesar. In fact, at the very time of Jesus, we're told that a census, what is a census for? Well, it's a counting of the people of the empire so we can tax them. And into this, God sends his messengers of another peace, a greater peace, the prince of peace. Into a time when many would say, this is the peace that we've never known under Rome. But now God announces with his own glorious messengers a greater peace. God's formal announcements are entrusted to his highest angelic messengers, Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. We read that from Gabriel's own mouth in Luke chapter 1. The angel of the Lord. And his announcements, to whom are they revealed? The humblest working class people. The lowest No elites, not one. That ought to encourage us. You know, history has seen babies become kings. Every king of history was once a baby. But only in these announcements do we learn of a king who becomes a baby. Gabriel to Mary in Luke chapter 1 verses 31 through 33 says, you will conceive and bear a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great and called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will be without end. The angel of the Lord to Joseph in Matthew 1, 20 through 23. Mary will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. What does Jesus mean? He tells us, for he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew adds, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet was fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. And then the angelic crowds nearby appear to some shepherds who are tending their flocks. And the sky becomes 
light with angels, throngs, crowds, like here today, only greater. And they're a little brighter than you. And what is the angelic announcement? Glory to the Lord. Fear not, he says, because they're frightened. They've never witnessed anything so glorious. Not even have they heard stories of such glory. Even those that emanate from Rome, of the great triumphs that go on for days at a time. Never have they witnessed such glory, and they're frightened to death. And what is the message of the angel? Don't be afraid. I bring you tidings of good news. Who are we? And he says, to you is born a Savior this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, who is Christ, who is Christ the Lord, who is the Messiah, who is the fulfillment of the big reveal. To you, lowly, 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 to you is born today a Savior. And the shepherds exclaim, let's go and see this child which the Lord has made known to us. That is incredible. You see, not one of us has an excuse. We all belong to the big reveal. We all belong to the birth of the Savior. The Lord is for each and every one of us. No one is left out. And then we see even more when we see the baby dedicated, eight days, eight days old. You know, it wasn't too long ago that uh, Jared, and I appreciate Stephen and Jared speaking the last couple of Sundays. It's good to be back, but man, it's great to have people that just speak for the Lord from the heart of the Lord just as much as I want to. And uh, Jared just had a baby, Trevor, and I got to do the dedication. And when I held him, he was just eight days, maybe nine, no more. That's so little, so tiny. A lot of times, baby dedications, the babies aren't really babies. They're little people. You know, they're cute as all get out, but they aren't babies. You can't even lift them, some of them. And I held little Trevor in my arms, and I thought, wow, this is what it was like when they went into that temple to devote their child to God right from the get-go. But it was in, you know, it was in answer to the very law of God. Every child was to be dedicated, circumcised and dedicated to the Lord. And so they came to the temple. And then we find in Luke chapter 2, this amazing thing. There's, There's this man named Simeon. And Simeon is actually a man who lives after the Lord in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit tugs on his heart and he says, go to the temple, go to the temple. 
And so Simeon, he doesn't just dismiss that like sometimes we do when the Lord talks to us. No, that couldn't be the Lord. That was just me talking to myself. No, do good. Help that poor. Stand up to that bully. Stand up for me. No, that's not the Lord. But Simeon said, that's the Lord. And he went to the temple. And there was this young couple, Joseph and Mary, with this baby. And Simeon said, my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. They weren't just the eyes of faith, but they were the eyes of faith. You know what I mean? And even in that little eight-day baby, he said, I've seen with my eyes your salvation. And then, because the Holy Spirit had said, you will not die, Simeon, before you see the Messiah. Simeon said, I'm ready. I'm ready. Now, for some of us in this room to be able to say, I'm ready, that really means a lot more. Because that means that that hope carries through this life, not just day to day, but beyond. Even in death, we have hope. So much hope that we're ready. That's the kind of hope God wants each and every one of us to know and have. Simeon. I follow a guy on uh, Twitter. His name is Cade Campbell. His dad is a pastor, and he tweeted just the other day, my dad's a pastor, and he has a funeral to conduct at Christmas. He's speaking on Simeon. Luke 2, 29 through 30. Now your servant may depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Yeah, this is a real hope. This is a hope for the entire world. Simeon and Anna. Anna was a prophet, and she hung out in the temple all the time. It wasn't boring for her. She was alive to the Lord, and each and every day was an adventure, even when she was in the temple area. Just imagine, you know, when you're attuned to the Lord, you're thinking about the Lord. He's not something that comes to mind just on Sunday. You're alive to him, so everything that's going on around Anna has to do with the Lord, is an opportunity is an indication of the Lord's activity and work in people's lives. She sees God at work, and she sees what's going on. This elderly man, Simeon, and this little 80-year-old hops on over there, excited to see what's going on. She immediately realizes what Simeon's talking about, and she begins talking to all the other hopefuls because Simeon and Anna are hopefuls. In faith, in the Lord. That's why they're there. They're hopefuls. Every one of us should be a hopeful. 
Not just on Sunday, not just at Christmas. We ought to be a hopeful 365 days a year, every year, even on the day of our death, for our eyes have seen the salvation of God. Like Isaiah and Micah and Joseph and Mary and Simeon and Anna, we can live as hopefuls. We can be forerunners of hope to other people. We can actually be alive in the glory of Christmas through hope. Hope that's evident in our outlook, our spirit, the gracious way in which we conduct ourselves. That that bounce, resilience in our lives. The way we look at this world should be different. It should be informed by the joy and the light and the hope of Christmas. Not just in December, but in January, in February, in March, in April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Really, Christmas doesn't end for us. Christmas is never over, is it? This hope, its fire is perpetual and it never goes out. As hopefuls, in the hope of the world, this hope has a name. I want to call us to the practice of hope. You know what we've been doing today? In here, we've been practicing hope. We can do that every day. When we listen to the choir sing that song and those lyrics about Christmas inside of us, not something that we're looking at that's over there, that gets our attention for a moment, but something that is born in us, that's real in us. That's what that song was talking about. I thought, whoa, I should have gotten up right after that song because that's what this message is all about. It's about practicing hope. Do you know what hope is? Hope is faith. That's what hope is. Faith in the right things. Faith in the real things. Faith in Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. That's faith. That's hope. Shelly and I, I I don't think we could count the number of times, sometimes more than once in a week, often watching the news or some news that comes to us, And you know what we say? I don't know how people do it without hope in Christ. If you've ever said that, draw on that. That's the hope I'm talking about. And when we go from here, we go in hope. Christmas is not in our rearview mirror. It's year-round because we're hopefuls in the hope of the world. And you know when we pray, like we're going to pray right now, In fact, let's stand. When we pray, do you know in whose name we pray? The name of hope.
Jesus Christ. Gracious Heavenly Father, Merry Christmas. Thank you, Lord, for such hope. Hope the world has never seen except in Jesus. May we be hopefuls to the world around us, hopefuls for our own blessing. We're the blessed when we hope in you, and we praise you, praise you, and praise you. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen.